Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my friend Sheena Shi, a.k.a. the Film Bruja, on the line with us today. Sheena, how are you? I'm, I'm doing a lot better than I was earlier. That's great. We were I'm just really talking excited. about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, I think it's a good place to start where uh, I talk about how we met. So we met probably... Man, I guess close to two years ago at our mutual friend Jackie's vintage store in, I think it was Clifton, right? Totowa? Totowa. Totowa. At Jackie's place. Um, And yeah, we just, you know, started following each other on Instagram and gas each other up from uh, time to time when we need it uh, digitally via our, you know, mutual admiration for photography and and the love of the art. Um, But why don't you go ahead and like just give like a little introduction to who you are and kind of how you got here today? That's such a, like, whenever I get asked that, first off, can you hear me okay? I hear you great. Okay. Um, so whenever I get asked that, I, I never know. I'm always bad with saying all that stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> to just, because I'm such a, I like to call myself like a circus sometimes, just all over the place that has done so many different little things. But, you know, I'm known as the film bruja um mostly because i just work with different types of stacks of films (laughs) like that's basically it um where'd you grow up i grew up in lodi new jersey nice um and then i moved around uh i went to college in like houston and then um i moved back I, i moved back a lot jersey is kind of home yeah <laughs> and um like recently i just moved back oh cool i was in texas for two years you know trying to build out there but then the pandemic hit and you're just not prepared for things like that yeah and it was kind of crazy because the i would say like the art scene is so vast out there like I met with Houston Arts Council and then again like the pandemic hit so it was kind of where do I go um am I did I make the right moves Mm. and every time you know my clientele is based here in Jersey Mm -hmm. so it's just smarter to have moved back yeah that's fair yeah, I mean, I, I I don't want to say I never picked up a camera till the uh, pandemic because that would be a lie. But the pandemic was like a full on kick in the ass to this is what you're doing now. Like this is your thing. This is what you're doing now, and there's no excuse or no complaining because you get to do what you want to do, and uh, it's been really great in that regard. Um, tell me about like growing up like were you always taking pictures as a kid like how did you like first get into photography um it definitely was when I was a little kid just with family photos where you know your mom just says take a picture (laughs) and that was me they you know my family members always passed the camera to me Mm -hmm. and then I would definitely say high like documenting middle school and high school like you know, via disposables, disposables and one hour photo back then for me. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Showing my age. Broadway but... photo. Yeah. <laughs> RIP Broadway photo and video. Oh, uh, wait, where'd you grow up? Uh, North Caldwell. Okay. So not far from Lodi. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. It's funny because I, I don't have memories of taking a lot of pictures as a kid, but when we were cleaning mm-hmm. out my parents' house, when we we, we recently sold the, the family home, I found like all of these developed 35 millimeter photos that I took with disposables, like on class trips, like at the UN, like sixth grade camp, like all these places that I was like, I don't even remember taking pictures. And then it was so funny when you look back at something that you did and there was a fuckload of pictures. There were so many pictures. And I was like, I don't remember doing this. And I was talking to my mom about it. I was like, she's like, John, you, you were always having me buy disposable cameras. And I was like, didn't anyone ever think like maybe this might be something he's interested in? And I found it so funny because there was obviously a huge gap in like my 
photography because like I must have been running around with disposables and then at a certain age, I don't know, 14, 15, you know, it kind of went straight to sports and then you kind of drop some of those like extraneous hobbies and stuff. Obviously not the case for you because you're still crushing it today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually something that I, um, I guess never left me, you know, yeah. and even even I would say like where you said sports sports took over your life for a bit. Um, I even, yeah. Holy cow. I've been just shooting a lot. That's amazing. <laughs> so I obviously went from disposables to the digital route, like very quickly. Like when I got back into photography, the first thing I did was because I'm an asshole, I bought a Canon 5D Mark IV. And I was like, because obviously that's what all amateur photographers do. They buy a professional camera, um, which is absurd. And I'm joking, clearly. But um, <laughs> you, to your credit, have stuck by and have been shooting exclusively film for like the entirety of your life. So I would love to talk about how, number one, how do you have money to live? And number two... What is it about the medium that hasn't allowed you to like, you know, transcend into digital? (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, I'm not going to lie. You know, we go through different uh, experiences and moments in our lifetime where I'm not going to lie. I was Mm anti-digital for just like a split second (laughs) until you know you start rationalizing that photography it doesn't matter what medium you use right Mm -hmm. um i think why i love film so much is not only because it's like nostalgic to me and something that i've um used for so long i like the idea I'm a very, not saying I'm structured and I'm not saying digital doesn't make you structured, but I like the slow pacedness Mm. and kind of thinking. I'm not saying you can't do that with digital because actually my friend lent me a Canon 80D right now, which is what I've kind of started posting when I'm doing like my light painting. Mm -hmm. And then before that, I was using just my iPhone. Those are my digital Mm -hmm. medium. Sure. Um, but you're right. Like, I don't know why I haven't really picked up a digital camera. I'm not going to lie. Also, I had one of those like point and shoot, like the Sony Lumix, mm-hmm. not even, Sony. is it Sony? Lumix? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Panasonic yeah, Lumix. Panasonic. Yeah. That's it. Um, it was, and I carry that around with me a lot like doing documenting um like the art stuff in newark because that's where i i don't want to say i'm like that's where i kind of gravitated set my roots in yeah Yeah. that's cool i've I've had like an on again off again love affair with film um getting back on it a little bit mostly medium format for like my portrait work um you know, it's funny. I was talking to, there's a photographer who lives on my floor. He's 22. I'm, I'm going to be 36 in two weeks. And he shoots exclusively film. He does have a Canon R6. So he does do mm-hmm. digital work because he's, he's in school right now for photography. And we were talking about it. And I was like, you know, it's funny. A lot of my favorite shots when I'm like in studio or just shooting with a model, it's all those in-between moments where they're just letting their guard down. It's happening either right before or right after, you know, quote unquote, the pose. And you don't get that on film. Like every film shot that I've ever taken is incredibly intentional. And it's like, okay, this is a $3 photo, right? So it's like, it has to be intentional. So it's like, I have to be very mindful of like what I'm doing with it. And I think mm-hmm. I love them both in, in distinct of one of the, of the other, like they're, they both serve different purposes for me creatively, but there's something about the way that I can much quicker, like react to a moment digitally than I can with film that makes me. I mean, obviously, if it's a professional gig, I'm shooting digital. But if it's for for my own personal work, I gravitate towards digital and supplement with film because I'm afraid that I'm going to miss the thing that I'm looking for 
if I shoot just film. And like for years, I was shooting just film, like thousands of roles. Uh, you know, I tra- traveled across the U.S. I shot a hundred and something roles uh, on a thirty-day trip. Like I was shooting like ten roles, so many roles. Uh, and I, I just, I, I just have this like this weird kind of thing right now where the first camera I always pick up is my digital. Like it's like not even a question anymore for me. Do you have that relationship with gear or for you, is it just like whatever you choose to use you're using, you don't think about it at all? I have a dedicated camera that I feel very comfortable with. And it's always my Pentax ME Mm. that I use a lot. Um, So I started bringing back the cameras that I left in Texas back here in Jersey because I don't want to just be a camera hoarder <laughs> and have all these cameras that I picked out the ones that I know I really liked how the outcome was. Mm-hmm. So I have four of them right now. Nice. <laughs> um, but I, I do have a designated camera that I feel com- like two designated cameras that I feel comfortable with that I'll bring on shoots mm-hmm. that have been like my trusty cameras. Um, I would love to invest in a, a medium format. That's like the equipment part that I want to invest in. But as far as me having like different lenses, I really don't. I kind of stick with 50 millimeter. I kind of dabbled in 24 and I really like that. It's um, so wide. But There is something super special. I was going to say, there's something super special about 24 millimeter, uh, very close with your subject huge in the frame, but like expanse. There's something I really love about that. But like, if, like, I I do a lot of street photography, and for Mm -hmm. some reason, that 24 to 28 millimeter has become like the focal length of choice for street photographers. And I feel like if you're trying to paint the picture of a scene, 35 is the way to go. And if you're super wide and shooting 28, and you don't have like a very close foreground kind of subject, the scene doesn't speak to me in any way. I'm losing a lot on whatever the entirety of the image is versus is like this is what the subject is this is what i want you to focus on um but yeah i i love that vantage point for sure um i i struggled for years of like trying to hone in on gear right like i if if only i have a like m6 i'll be the best photographer in the world so i bought a leica shot hundreds of rolls through it a thousand rolls through it whatever it was like my pride like the outcome so I like two things about it, the ease of use, the uh, process of shooting was very, uh, very visceral. Like I, th- I liked the process of tactilely changing knobs and apertures and like everything that you do to compose a shot with a Leica, I enjoyed. Uh, missing focus on... Uh, on a rangefinder is super annoying when you're going to develop and that mm-hmm. frustrated me a lot and then i also felt at times like that was the benefit of shooting film it doesn't have to be a tactile perfect image for it to be a great image um but it frustrated me a lot at times too because i think it was i loved it and i i sold it last year because i just wasn't shooting it and you know, if I win the lottery, would I buy another one? Yeah. Would it be the first camera that I pick up every time I go to shoot? I don't know. I don't think so. I think you need yeah. to have some sort of relationship with with your tool. And it sounds yeah, like you do. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, so let me ask you, because you, you said when you were shooting film, you definitely had more intention in um, each frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were strictly shooting film, did you, so what I'm trying to get at is sometimes I look back at my old photos where it wasn't intentional, but like the way I captured it, I kind of always try to go back in that time because I feel like those were like really great photos. Yeah. And Sometimes when my pictures are too structured, I don't like that feeling. That's why I kind of have my passion projects that I try to do because of the fact that I don't like when 
it's so structured looking. Well, you and I differ greatly in that you are an incredibly creative person. I am not. Um, I was having a conversation with a photographer friend recently, and I was trying to hone in on... They have a very visceral style of photograph. It's like a lot of nude, a lot of black and white, a lot of very like stark images of like uh, nude men and women in nature, and just like the like the 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 song and dance between like man and nature. And I find it all like beautiful work, but it's not something that I could ever create. And he was asking me, he's like, "What do you do? Like, what do you try to like do when you take a picture? Like emulate, right? What right." You're- yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have an answer. Um, it's like, it's, I don't care what I'm sh- like, I'll shoot a concert, I'll shoot a sporting event, I'll shoot a wedding. I'll, I mean, I, that's a lie. I won't shoot a wedding. But I will oh. shoot. Yeah, no, I won't shoot a wedding. Um, but, but like, I will, I will shoot anything and I get the same like high when I'm done. Like I get the okay. same um, rush. Like when I like I recently shot Gin Blossoms at the Walmart Theater in Montclair. And I shot 25 photos in like five seconds when they came on and like my heart was like definitely at like a hundred beats per minute. And then like I had a, a girl in my apartment, you know, I've got like a at home studio and the first five photos, same thing, heart rate on a hundred, you know, it's, it's just the act of doing it that hypes me up. I wish I was creative like you. I don't have, my biggest struggle is the creative aspect of my art, like figuring out what I'm trying to say in a story via an image. And you don't have that problem at all. So I'm very curious, like how you come up with these absolutely stunning visuals that are just like totally unique and creative to yourself. Uh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, um, I think it has a lot to do with uh, my background in makeup. I was a makeup artist for a good amount of years um, and I was in the fashion industry. So I think it has a lot to do with that because there's, you know, I, I, I love that whole behind the scenes, um, getting everything together. I like curating. Um, so a lot of that I do give props to being just through New York City and doing all like makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I consider myself an artist and having such talented artist friends that we kind of feed off of each other. Uh, and I think being around that will give you what you need to like, uh, create things differently or uniquely. I, I also love, I love other visuals where, you know, I'll scroll on Instagram or Pinterest. Like I get a lot of inspiration from that because at the end of the day, we all create the same thing, just translated differently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like um, uh, yeah. So I take a lot of uh, inspiration from, I'm such a visual person that I have to look at things visually and it's, it, it's whatever my eye likes. <laughs> yeah. No, I can relate to that. Like I get inspired on a daily basis. Um, I think what my biggest struggle is, is probably just like imposter syndrome. Like who I, like I still in the back of my mind, it's like, who am I to think that I can do this? Like it's something that I try and try and try to overcome. And it's never, it's like for f- the first five seconds of every, every shoot, I feel like a fraud. And then like when I'm editing images, Oh my God, poor Jackie, poor any of my photographer friends. I'm always like, oh, do you like this edit? Like, what do you think about this one? And it's because I think I'm still learning and I'm still growing as uh, as an artist trying to figure out like what am I trying to say with my photography? And I think it's like anything when you're doing it only for a few years, like I don't know what, my, what I'm trying to say yet. Like I know without a question the story I'm trying to tell when I'm shooting street photography. Um, I know what I'm doing when I'm walking the streets and taking photos. But when I'm like creating with a model or I have a subject and, I'm, and we're working through something together, that's where I feel like a bit of a fraud. That's where I, where I struggle with my identity as an artist. Um, do you ever have those kind of feelings? Struggling like, oh. you know, imposter syndrome? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when I, not more lately, it was definitely like the beginning of this year, just because for a long time, 
I kind of, not for a long time, but during the pandemic, I chose a different route where I kind of rested, where I knew trying to gather people in Texas was hard enough because of the pandemic. So I sought other hobbies. I was like making other things. Mm -hmm. And then when that happened, I had this burst of inspiration and where I would just use my handy dandy iPhone. And I started taking self portraits a lot during the pandemic. Um, So my imposter syndrome was, am I still the film Bruja? Like if I'm using an iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And because I wasn't shooting anything on film and I feel like, what makes me feel that way is because I wasn't constantly putting content on Instagram or my socials that was film. Mm. And uh, I had to step back and like, you know, check in with myself and, and say, yes, of course I'm still the film Bruja. Being an artist, you don't, we always feel pressure to put out to say we actually did something or get that instant gratification. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Um, But honestly, I, I think it's okay to step away from, um, you know, constantly putting things out to hone in and also to also normalize that it's okay. You don't have to always put things out because you're still, you know, you're still John. You still are the photographer. I'm still Sheena. I am still the film bruja, regardless whatever medium I use, you know? I do know. I'm so (laughs) glad you said that because I had like one of my very, very first, uh, I want to say like inspirations from photography was this guy named Jason Roman, uh, AKA at stock easy on, uh, Instagram. And I stumbled upon him on YouTube. I was lucky enough to have him on my podcast recently. And it was like kind of those weird surreal moments where like someone you meet online, who I met in person is now like a person that I'm sharing an hour conversation with. It was incredible. Um, but the most poignant thing he said, and I'm glad you mentioned Instagram. He's like, listen, if Instagram disappears tomorrow, like, are you still a photographer? Right. And I was like, yeah, of course I'm still going to take pictures. I'm still going to do whatever. He's like, you need to start worrying more about what you're doing and how you're creating and what and be like intentional with what you're doing for your art and fuck Instagram. He's like that shit could get turned off tomorrow. There there could be another XYZ. And I feel like that's a very very poignant and very very fair sentiment for a person who's got a very large social media following is a Leica ambassador like they've checked a lot of boxes in their life. We're like a month apart in age, right? And it's funny to me because we're in like two different places. We've got the same occupation and I still struggle with that. I still look at my Instagram followers, like how many likes I'm getting and shit. Like, do you worry about that at all? Or you don't give a shit? Um, I don't give a shit. I, I actually hit like started hiding my likes. Oh, I feel like those are the things that help you mentally. Um, you're going to have to tell me how to do that. (laughs) Okay. I will. Um, but it helps with, you know, when you, when you get into your field, it really does help. Um, I also keep um, like off my, like that, my screen mm-hmm. where, um, it's not I on your kinda home screen, right? yeah, kind of thing. Um, just cause I, I know how it is. We can easily engulf ourselves and, um, our self-confidence can kind of, you know, get broken with whatever we see, obviously, but also it's really important for my mental health. Um, I understand the fact that I don't have to compare myself because I can compare myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, that's why I hid my likes because I'm, I'm okay with the fact that whoever likes it, that's cool. It, it made an impact on, you know, the, amounts of people that liked it 
I don't need to know how many liked it. No, I like that. No, I, I do genuinely like that. And I, I often say, like, my biggest issue and hurdle, and, like, I'm very cognizant of it, is that I'm I'm comparing my chapter four or five with someone else's chapter 30, right? Like, I, I've not been doing this long enough. I've not been... Uh, really going at this professionally as like a a career besides a hobby Mm -hmm. for a very long period of time. So for me to compare, you know, the first stage of my story to someone else who's like, you know, writing the end of their book, it's not, it's not fair to me. It's not fair to what I can do from a creative perspective. And it's just going to hurt me in the long run. Um, for exactly, sure, because we all have our own timeline. Mm, absolutely, I I read um, a really interesting um, kind of expose on Jeremy Strong. I don't know. Do you watch Succession? No. Okay, Succession HBO show. The guy's like okay. in his in his mid forties, but right around thirty three, thirty four, thirty five, he was getting like all these like really really low level you know jobs on films and tv shows like one-liners here and there and he was like i think i just have to give up he's like you know i just it's not for me like i'm not getting a break and there was like this i wish i could remember like what exactly the quote was it was something to the extent of he was like asking himself over and over again like what am i doing why am i doing this like what am i like i've been doing this for 10 years i'm getting nowhere i'm getting nothing and like a week later or whatever, he gets Succession, which is like this major show. He's one of the four main characters. It's huge for him. And like he had done other stuff before that. But like this was like the big, big break for him. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, I'm stressing myself out over something I've been doing for literally a handful of years and wondering why I'm not shooting the cover of Vogue. Like what fucking ego is that? Like that's just ridiculous. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's just funny, and I, I think it's nice. Like I've started to kind of build a community of like people that I can confide in and talk to, and it's a creative group of people that can like lift me up when I'm feeling shitty, and give me positive feedback, and give me negative feedback, and give me the things that I need to hear um, about my work that like starts making me be more. Um, you know, kind of present in what I'm trying to create. Um, did you have like a mentor growing up or anybody who like impacted you from a creative perspective? You know, I mean, aside from, I would say my friends, I, I am still looking for a mentor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, but I would say, um, I would say my friends definitely, um, they, you know, they're all, different types of artists um and yeah mm. i do you still look, looking for one though yeah <laughs> do you do you look back at your um your journey as a photographer is there any like major i don't want to use the word accomplishment but just like something that you look back on whether it was like a series that you worked on a creative series uh a magazine something that you worked on that you're like holy shit that was like a surreal kind of moment that's something i'm like super proud of I would say when I did um, New York Fashion Week for Tumblr. Cool. Um, that was a really good opportunity. Um, I got, and what I liked about it was they gave us the schedule. We could have picked, we can pick whichever designer we wanted to see or whatever show. Um, so when I got to see um, like Anna Sui, that was, I, I, I loved I've always loved her clothes. Um, that was a really good show. I got to see Jeremy Scott and do like, I went, I went straight behind the scenes because <laughs> I love, I love, um, I got to see Pat McGrath. It was amazing moment as a makeup artist. Um, but I loved the moments behind the scene to see how, I, I'm just really big on seeing how everything gets put together mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like the final show i like that whole crazy chaotic but everything's so creative at the same time so i would say yeah that moment was um something i would say wow i actually did that because i you know i i had stuff featured on um that was my milk like milk studio stuff um you know my stuff on anna sweet's website I mean, Instagram. So like things like that was 
was what I enjoyed. That's and cool. A, you know, my resume kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So my, my, I was talking to my dad, I got lunch with my dad today. He was like, do you have like a photographer business card or like a photographer resume? I was like, uh, no. I was like, my website, I guess Instagram, but like, no, not really. I was like, that's really interesting. Cause like if I met someone out, I wouldn't be like, yeah, this is, I would tell them what I've done, but it wouldn't be able to show them what I've done. Right. It's very funny that you said like your resume. It just like really, <laughs> really resonated with me because I was like, I wouldn't be able to tell anyone. I'd be like, go to my website. But like, yeah, very funny. Um, I, I find that you have like just such a truly unique, like amazingly cool creative style. Um, and I'm kind of curious how you got into it. Right. And also mm -hmm. like, how do you take something that is so uniquely your own and like, how are you able to maintain that and keep it going? And like, what gives you confidence to continue to work on this? Like incredible, you know, obviously podcasts is not the best way to talk about your progress, but I'm just genuinely curious, like how that process is like kind of shaping for you. Um, I would say I have never lost my inner child. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I'm going to be 39 in a few weeks. Oh, when's your and birthday? January 8th. Okay, I'm December 17th. <laughs> happy birthday. Okay. Thank you. Happy happy birthday to you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I, I, it's because of my imaginative mind that I still hold dearly. And um, I think in a lot of my images, sometimes I have, it's not really like fairy tale-ish. It's mm -hmm. more, um, but you can tell there's like an inner child or something that is. I would say there's like an ethereal nature to it. Right. Um, I, I feel like it's it's all in the personality that I am. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I believe. I believe in magic and, um, you know, Buha is a part of me. Um, I'm very spiritual. So I would say it's, it's this big melting pot of my personality and, um, who I am that I've kind of never changed. Um, this is me genuinely. That's and, awesome. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's so rare so, for a creative person to say, right? Because I feel like everyone, you know, there was like that period of time where everyone on Instagram had like clarity on a thousand percent and like every image was like you could see every individual hair follicle, right? And like everything was super <laughs> punchy and then it went to right. the film look and like the digital recreation of film and it's like everyone's kind of doing the same thing in a different mm -hmm. kind of sort of off shaded way and you're doing something completely differently on your own and not like differentiating from that at all and I think that's so fucking cool. I just try to, I always just try to never be so serious. Um, and, you know, I know people can judge you for being, oh, this different person, but we're all, you know, I hate that because we're all freaking different. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, But I, I just, even if I have like little fears, I always push through that and know that this is just how I am. And this is the beat that I have always walked on, you know? Yeah, that's cool. And, but again, sometimes, you know, we can be really hard on ourselves with like imposter syndrome. So trust me, it's <laughs> this constant battle, but you just push through. <laughs> I try. <laughs> do, you do you have like a, so I got to a point where I was shooting like pretty much exclusively Portrait 400, Tri-X, and like Cinestill 800T. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have go-to film stocks or do you just like go buy whatever and shoot whatever? Um, I was the person who bought whatever and shot what whatever until you start, you know, racking up those dollars and you're just like, what the hell? I need to be more intentional yeah. with my shots. Well, at least, so at least my wallet. <laughs> exactly. Um, so... Yes, there are go-to stocks, especially when I want to, when I'm capturing weddings, um, you know, uh, a client that 
you know, is paying you money and you're, you know, you I, I, just cause portrait for, so my thing is portrait for a hundred. Um, I know there's like a lot of hate on that because people like say Ektar does the same exact thing. I love Ek, Ek, Kodak Ektar, but like not so much in like the portrait aesthetic that I want it to look like. I agree. So that's why I go with portrait. Yeah. I think just portrait's got like a skin tone magic. Like there's something, I think, yeah. I, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so those are things, you know, those are the stocks that I go with. Um, but what was the other one? Fuji, but they dis- discontinued it. Oh, uh, 400H yeah. or whatever? Yes. Yeah. That one. Pro, yeah. I used to love that for weddings. It's so beautiful. I just shot a um, roll of it. I had, I have four rolls of that Fuji 400 did you like it? Uh, I, I didn't get developed yet. I shot my first one. Okay. I only have four of it in 120. And I shot it mm-hmm. like literally last week. I didn't get it. I didn't drop it off at the lab yet. I don't also oh, that that's like another thing. Like I don't develop my own film. How does that make you feel? Same. Oh yes. Yay. Oh, that I makes am, me I so happy. Not, I, <laughs> honestly, um I would love and I always tell myself every year, I'm gonna start developing my own. Um, I just don't have the time. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> listen, people talk so much shit. You're not a real film photographer. You don't c- develop your own film. That's bullshit. I was like, I'm a. <sighs> I was shooting fucking exactly. fifty rolls a week for like a year. I'm a real film photographer. I was broke. Like, I get it. Like, I get. I'm a fucking film photographer. Like, lick my. Oh my god, butt. that's just like the pretentious part in film photography. For but sure. let's be real, you yeah. know. Let's be real. If you had uh, enough money, you would send it out to a lab and let them give you high-res scans. I actually do have a scanner. I scan my own film. There's something super important to me about scanning my own film. Uh, plus, that was like 150 bucks, and the chemicals right. are super expensive. I don't know how to store them. I don't know how to keep them. I don't know how long to, to agitate that shit. I don't have a dark room. I don't have the ability to do this shit. Like, I'm sorry. Black and white. You know you what can... I worry about? I don't know how to dispose them. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> I'm like, do I flush it down the drain? Like, what what do you do with it? No I think idea. that's bad for the environment. No? For sure. Oh, well, that's the other thing. Like, people who shoot film, they're so pretentious about shit like that. And film photography is, like, legit the worst thing in the world for the environment. Right. It is so bad. For the freaking footprint, man. <laughs> yeah, it's hysterical. Um, I mean, I, listen, I, I, have, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Like, there were times where I would, like... I, probably like the third or fourth roll I rolled through my like uh, I was walking around New York City uh, and I was walking to Port Authority and I saw this guy with a cowboy hat on and no shirt he was sitting on a like a chair playing the, the guitar and I shot th- a whole roll of him the entire roll of film uh, I think it was Portra and I was like these are gonna be fucking bangers he didn't give a shit I was like close up on him I was shooting 35 millimeter uh, focal length and like it was great it was like i had bangers in there that i was like oh man i can't wait to get these fucking dropped off and developed and when i went to click the rewind lever and i started rewinding the spool it stopped and i was like oh fuck so i went to like do it a little bit more and i was like i'm gonna break this nothing nothing happened right so it was like stuck it was super super stuck so like half of the roll was back in the canister and the other half was on like the leader right so i was like okay Mm -hmm. this is fine cap put my lens cap back on put it back in my bag and I went straight to to my lab and I was like listen the roll's shot and half is in the canister and the other half is on the leader you just have to like pull it out in the dark bag and like get it out and uh they're like oh sure this happens all the time no big deal you give them my camera they go in the back they're like we got it no big deal it should be fine they developed the roll and it was blank and I wanted to <gasps> cry I wanted to cry <sighs> Yeah, I wanted yes, to cry. I know. And I know that feeling so well. <laughs> and the truth and the and the truth is, Sheena, that that was part of the, like the the allure to film cuz like I ne- you never know what you have, right? And then when you start getting your when I would start scanning my negatives, I'd be like blown away by these images that I took. Like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe I did that. Or, like, you forget about an instance, because it was primarily street photography, so I'd be like, oh, I forgot about taking that frame. And it was so rewarding, and it was so grueling at the same time that I had this, like, 
I don't know, like this clash between my love and my angst for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like all the, the film mishaps that can happen and you still wonder why you still go back to it, you yeah. know? Yeah. I have, so I have probably, so I got my, I have a Hasselblad 500 CM medium format camera. Um, it's my pride and joy and I love it. Like I, I every time I take a picture of it in, in front of someone, I'm like, do you hear that sound? That sound, the thump, like the, the, <laughs> the actuation of the mirror is the most satisfying sound on planet earth. And I had a Mimia six. And that was the cool YouTube camera. And I hated right? it. I hated it. I, I genuinely hated it. I didn't want a rangefinder medium format camera. I wanted something that was going to be slow and clunky and be very, very intentional. And I, I was rolling through 120 millimeter film on this fucking Mamiya. And I was like, this is stupid. I was like, I'm just blowing through film. So I've got I've got the Hasselblad and I have a Canon Elon 7, which is like kind of like a sort of autofocus ish uh slr and like some okay. other you know i've got like an, a nikon f something that was my dad's from like the 70s or something and a bunch of other film cameras um but i still struggle mightily with like gear acquisition like i still want to buy other shit and i don't know what it is about this career hobby whatever passion you want to call it that I can't ever find myself being content with what I have. And I'm curious if you ever feel that way. Yeah. It's like my, uh, it's like now that I, I have all these tattoos, I told myself, I don't want any more tattoos. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's good. It's going strong. Three years, no tattoos. Nice. Um, so it's the same with cameras. I haven't bought any new cameras just cause I want, to be able to use the ones that I have and not say perfect a photo with it, but, you know, harness it, know it, um, aside from my Pentax ME mm -hmm. that I carry around with me all the time. You mm -hmm. know, I, I want to have another relationship with my cameras that I neglect and it collects dust, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I haven't bought a camera, but if I were to, I would love a medium format. Nice. Do you have that one in I mind? Uh, no. <laughs> but I I mean, the Hasselblad is the one that I really would love. Yeah. Uh, They're weirdly still affordable. Like, I bought mine a couple years ago, and the price I paid and the price they are now, it's, like, very close to the same, which is surprising. Because every oh, other okay. phone camera is, like, 10x oh, higher. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. So oh, yeah, yeah. I, I reckon, listen, I love my Hasselblad. There is something so magical about that lens and that shutter and th th just everything about it uh, that I can't help but be inspired when I pick it up. I, I would I would recommend anyone own one just or just shoot one and fuck around with it. The, I just love how it, oh, it's just something about it. It's so Sexy. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I got it because it's super sexy too, but yeah. <laughs> For real, I'm always just like, damn, medium format just always captures it so much differently than 35 millimeters. Yeah, there, there is, uh, like, I mean, this. The scan size, so for people who aren't listening, 35 millimeter is probably about one inch by one inch, and uh, medium format is 120 millimeters, which is probably about, depending on the camera, three inches by four inches, roughly, the size of the, the film negative. And the clarity differentiation between the two are night and day. Um, the detail right. in the images are night and day. And you can get a really great 35 millimeter image, but you just couldn't blow it up to the same size as a medium format. Exactly. Um, but yeah, there, there is something special about it. I have been shooting. I probably haven't shot. Oh, no, that's a lie. I do take my 35 millimeter camera with me when I shoot uh, concerts because I like to shoot 800T Cinestill when I'm there because you never know what you're going to get with that. Um, I feel like I've had like a pretty crazy journey over the last year, year and a half with photography. And I've been started to check off like a bunch of like my quote unquote bucket list things, like dreams that I had when I sat down to like kind of map out what I was going to do with this career. Um, what is your biggest dream that you have yet to achieve with photography? Oh, oh. 
That's a good question. Uh, biggest dream. I really thought it was, you know, I would say in my earlier days, I was always trying to pursue being published on like editor something editorial. Um, and and honestly, I I would say I've done that. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not like Vogue or, sure. you know, um, and those are the small wins that I always try to always remember that it doesn't have to be to that extent. Um, but right now, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't really answer that because I'm just, I'm content right now with uh, kind of experimenting um i know my friend um rosemary was like make a make a calendar actually you know what a photo book oh nice um i lie i i have always wanted to do a photo book i just kind of i overthink where i or what goes in and what doesn't that and like i procrastinate because i'm feel like oh I can always just like put that in a back burner but definitely that is one thing that I need to do and would love like that is a goal mm. of mine I love you know? that yeah similar I uh, I did one for myself like I did like a zine for myself and mm-hmm. I look at it every now and then I'm thinking like wow that was really shitty but also like cool like I did my own little thing I do definitely one day want to have my own photo book and like maybe multiple, like I don't need to stop at one. Um, I've also started exactly. printing more of my work and the the Ooh. act of printing out your stuff is like, it's important. it's so important. It changes the, it changed my view on my work in a manner that I didn't expect because like we were talking about Instagram, some of my favorite mm-hmm. photos that I've ever taken have the least amount of likes and it's probably because like one of them is like a homeless woman behind her cart like it's such a powerful image and it never gets likes and it's because it's like you know a homeless person in this tiny no because it's in this tiny ass screen well yeah yeah, that too that too (laughs) so i printed um, that and mm -hmm. it was like i was like holy shit i was like this is fucking beautiful i was like i did that exactly you have a different appreciation for your work than seeing it and a screen because whenever I view something let's say even just on my laptop that's just a little bit bigger than you know your it looks so much better and I'm just like and then when you post it on Instagram you're like this isn't what I saw mm-hmm. or you know it's just I feel and I feel like and that's another thing is our best photos have the least likes because oh, I'm, I'm the same way I'm just like this is such a good photo why isn't it i don't get it but um yeah i said it earlier you're gonna have to teach me how to turn likes off because i I just don't need (laughs) to see that anymore i also have to start realizing like i've put so so i've like put a lot of effort into quote-unquote growing on social media and Mm -hmm. i and i have to remind myself very often that that's not real like social media is not real. So often we're showing a highlight reel. So often we are, um, you know, putting our best foot forwards when there's so much more behind our art. And I've got to realize like it just doesn't matter. And I've done, it doesn't matter if I have 55 million followers or 5,000. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you just need people who support you, people who care about you, people who appreciate your work, and then just keep doing that. Right. Just have fun and and you know honestly, we have again we we have our own timelines. We have our own you know whatever happens. We never know, but like to me, social media, I I would say kind of just makes things toxic mm-hmm. within us as artists. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it leads uh, directly to imposter syndrome. I do get inspired by it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Because like when I look at people's work like you and... You and yeah. No, I do. I really do. Because there's so many um, pe- amazing people doing amazing things that genuinely does inspire mm-hmm. me. And then mm-hmm. I get creative and I'm like, okay, I need to go do something today. That's like maybe less than half the time. <laughs> um, for sure. So we're, we're kind of approaching the end of the year. 
So I'm very curious what 2022 has in store for the film Bruja. So I've been so I've been trying to ground myself more. So this is me going back into my Bruja ways. Uh, I am trying to just go into 2022 with more of the intention of um, you know, prosperity and abundance, and also knowing that those ha- have different meanings for everybody, mm. right? Like for me, um, it goes beyond the factor of just you know, I'm getting, I'm getting my dollars and whatever. That that is not what I'm saying. But hey, if it does happen, that's cool too. Mm-hmm. Um, but abundance in whether it be, um you know, more opportunities as a photographer, um, abundance and, you know, putting out the goals that let's say making a book. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to be more, you know, I'm getting older. So <laughs> my outlook is totally different and my experiences have been already been experienced. So, Oh, what it, a terrible mindset. That's terrible. <laughs> Number one, you're you not, know, you're not old and your experiences it's, these are not things. This- no, no, no. I know. I know. I'm not old. I'm not. Oh my God. I sounded like, no, but I'm just saying. Like, the film Bruja is secretly to- 94 years old. Right? That's, <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm called the, I'm called the film Bruja because everyone's always just like, how old are you? Yeah. What? So it's like, I know. I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm supposed to look like. <laughs> um, But anyway. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm just trying to have, um, what I'm just trying to say is just 2021 was such a chaotic year for me um, for the, ever since I moved back that now is like the time that I just feel like there's this big release for me. Mm. Um, And I, I'm going, you know, I'm learning, I'm learning a lot of different things, like as far as like videography, I trying to like go outside of different boxes and I'm really excited to just travel in a different path and not saying I'm leaving you know film but you know kind of growing as a photographer with different mediums as well that's awesome yeah I've been dabbling with video um it's all right (laughs) it's all right you know my philosophy on video is that like I could see myself creating documentaries or like short documentaries and like being super into that it do I want to produce like movies no do I want to like work in film or tv no but like do I want to maybe tell short form documentary style videos with like very shitty editing very shitty music very (laughs) shitty audio yeah like I could fuck with that um, but like I've been recently doing a little bit of video and like the editing process, the whole workflow, um, it's not, it's not filling me up as creatively as I thought it would. And every photographer who I know who's now a videographer is always like video is so much better and I'm just not there yet. And like, I'm sure like right. possibly I'll get there, but like, I'm just not there yet for me. It's like in a world where we're constantly bombarded with video on every social media, TV, everywhere we look, I like the act of viewing still images. There's something about an image, still image, that still mm-hmm. like jazzes me up. That's like what I love. So it's going to be hard to uh, to fall in love with video, I think will be difficult. Understood. I mean, I, I mean I've dabbled in it, not in the aspect of having like, you know, using one of these, like the, I've done things on my phone and even like doing little clips, short clips. I liked that. I think I'm more of, I I would say a short clip kind of person as Mm -hmm. well. Like you, um, or like a short film. I think I would do well in, um, movies. I, I'm, I love movies. But me too, but I don't want to make them. <laughs> you, know I mean? I, you know, I feel like maybe one day, but I'm okay if it's like a short film. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully weather permitting doing a photo shoot on, on Sunday. And like I have in my mind 
some like short, you know, video shots that I'm going to include with the photos that will tell a story, right? But I'm not trying to like, I'm a videographer now. I'm a movie maker. That's not me. Oh, <laughs> um, <Babe>. yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I like to spend the last bit of every podcast doing sort of like a rapid fire Q and A. Um, okay. Some of the questions are super easy. Some of them are like a little heavy, but first thing is this the wrong advice part no no the wrong advice (laughs) part is is it's a pun it's like the the purpose of the pun is that there is no wrong advice there is no (laughs) wrong way to go about living your life it's what makes you happy and like how you see your life is being fulfilled and i think the wrong advice is that there's nobody that i'm going to ever have on this podcast that's going to tell you the right way to live your life that's up to you to figure out Cut the promo, print. That's a wrap. That was really good. I'm very proud of myself. I just came up with that just now. <laughs> so my first my first question for you is, what is your favorite book? Oh, um, so The Giver. Ooh, that was nice. one of my favorite books. Yeah, that was book. one of my favorite books, yes. What is your favorite movie? Beetlejuice. Really? Oh, nice. First time I've heard that. I like that. What's your favorite food? Um, it would be my dad's cooking. My dad and my mom's cooking, but it's definitely my dad's cooking. Any particular dish? Um, yes, I'm Filipino, and my favorite dish from my dad is called kare kare, and it's uh, an oxtail stew in like peanut butter. Oh, like uh, the sauce has peanut butter in it. It's not just like you dump peanut butter, but <laughs> yeah. it's so good with white rice. So good. <laughs> nice. Um, do you believe in an afterlife? I, I, I do actually, just for the fact of, um, I believe in, you know, re- I believe in like reincarnation, mm-hmm. um, different traveled souls. Um, so yeah, why not? I believe yeah. in the afterlife. It's funny. I, I've, this is going to be somewhere around my 60th episode, like 58 or something like that. And of all the people I've asked that question, the amount of people who've said no are very small. Like I think maybe one or two and the vast majority of people do. And it's, you know, it's funny. We live in such a shitty world and it's so chaotic and depressing that so many people believing in something more is kind of oddly reassuring. There's, there's hope for us yet. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What inspires you? Mm. Um, what inspires me? I would say as cheesy as it sounds, you know, waking up and just kind of going through my day is inspiring. I try to (sighs) kind of um, meditate a little. So it definitely makes the inspiration flow. I have an odd affinity of just being like, oh, the sky looks really great. Or I don't know. I'm just, I, I would say just the environment, whatever you put me in, inspires me. I like that. <laughs> Seems like you're living a very content life. And I'm very <laughs> glad to hear that. Um, are you happy? <laughs> are, are you happy? Um, at this moment, I am. But, you know, sometimes it's okay when you know i i'm a sad girl poor vida so sometimes i get into my feels um but for the most part yeah i am happy that's great we were, <laughs> we were talking before we got online and i was saying i was just ha- i just had a shitty day like it was like exactly. one of those like blah days where i just never really was able to pull myself out of the blah mentality and like that's okay like not every day is going to be the best day of your life but how you exactly. view that right yeah exactly um what's your biggest fear Um, biggest fear. Oh man. You know, sometimes, um, so I get anxiety. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just put that out there. Cause who doesn't? Right. Um, I would say one of my, and it's weird because I don't know where it stemmed from, but, and I'm okay now, but like just thinking about death sometimes, you know, you're just oh, like, yeah. I'd you rather know, not. Just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, sometimes it creeps up on you you're just like why did i have that thought or you know it's just those like little fears of the unknown especially you know 
with life now. Yeah. And you're just exactly. So I think yeah. that's fair. Uh, I would say my most irrational <laughs> fear in in life is death because it and I say irrational because like I'm going to die. Like there's nothing that's going to stop that from happening. So it's like almost like you need to like I've been working on like just succumbing to the fact that like that's not a thought I need to worry about anymore because like it's eventually going to happen. You spend your whole life worrying about dying. Is it going to really get you anywhere? No, probably not. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? uh would come from uh, it came from my creative writing teacher in high school which I think I carried throughout till this day is she, so what's funny is my major is um creative writing creative writing English literature focused in creative writing wow. so she was like a inspiration for me to kind of had that major I dropped out so um but what she said to me was sh how unique I am. She, she told me never to change. Um, like she saw some sort of potential in me and not, it's not in the writing. It's just, I guess, like my whole aura. So I kind of always appreciated that, you know, someone out there saw uniqueness in me and told me that in high school because we were always so, you know, in high school years, you're always so afraid to be unique. Oh, yeah. And um, <clears throat> so I, I would say that is why I am the way I am to this day. That's awesome. Um, just not afraid to just be who you are. That's awesome. I like that. Um, last question. What is one recommendation that you have for everyone hearing you on this podcast for the first time of something that you've consumed recently? Could be a movie, a TV show, a book, podcast, documentary, anything. Just something that you've recently consumed that you think everyone should check out. Hmm. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do listen to a lot of podcasts and I love comedy podcasts. Me too. I, I, I feel like it, it stems away from, I guess what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. It's and I'm a clown. I'm down to clown. So, <laughs> um, so my go-to podcasts that I always like talk about are Tiger Belly and Bad Friends. Mm. Um, but my one friend recently put me on something called make art, not content. Ooh. Um, it's, uh, it's usually less than 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Um, and I believe it's the guy who did like, he was a photographer. Um, he did party something. Okay. Oh my God. I forgot. It's I'm blanking out, but I know, I know him because he used to take photos in New York City, I believe, and it would be like MySpace era oh. around that time. Okay. But he said he has a what a um, what I enjoy about it is he talks about imposter syndrome. He has like those different kinds of <clears throat> um, topics that he touches on, um, especially on how we feel about Instagram or like you don't have to always put out all these content. Like his first um, episode is called too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's just, it, it helped me at a time where I had to kind of go back to being present again as an artist. And um, what I liked about it is it's not that long. Um, it's to the point and it makes you think it's like a good morning kind of, Pick Listen. Me I like that. Yeah. I'm gonna check that out. Um, I've been <laughs> recently rewatching Fleabag. I don't know if you ever saw it on Amazon. It's fucking no. the best show. And I was what like, is it? it's Phoebe Waller Bridge. She's a comedian, writer, whatever. And I don't even know how to describe the show. She is a <laughs> a thirty something single woman in London. And she's just a mess of a human being. And the show is about the Love mess it. of her life. And it's so fucking good. It is hysterical and tragic and 
wonderful and a train wreck and it's just the best <laughs> and like i it it ended a few years ago and i watched it like i think it's only like three or four seasons and i started rewatching it this week and i was like holy shit why have i not done this before you know you rewatch office a million times but this shit is just right. so funny so right. definitely check that out um okay. sheena thank you so much for coming on today i had so much fun with our chat i'm, I'm so Same. glad thank and you, uh so appreciative of your time uh got a very cheesy line if you've been on the podcast you're now part of my family so thank you so much for your time and <laughs> i really enjoyed our chat same. I'd love to come on again. It's really nice. Um, I don't know. I really like having this conversation and, you know, you're mad cool and you, it's, it's real. You get everybody talking to just come out and not, I don't know. I just, I just like how it's a good real conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's so kind. You will come on again. I'm trying to do everybody like six months to a year later. So we'll definitely Sounds do this cool. again. Thank you so Thanks, much. Gina. Take care. Have a good night. You Bye. Too. Bye.